0: Say something. Oh! Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Welcome to Misfits and Tidbits. Um, I am Junie.
1: And I'm Ethan.
0: That's not true. I'm You're- still Sergio. <laughs> Sergio still Sergio. Um, this is Junie. I'm Ethan. And we are the two hosts of this wonderful, magnificent show that you have recently rated five stars on Apple Podcasts. Thank you for doing that. Feels really nice to see those things. Um, and what what are we what are we doing? Why am I being filmed?
1: I'm going to tell you about a whole bunch of stuff. Um, I did kind of want to keep on theme for the month, so Captain Theme for the month for just as far as information goes. But you say um, Captain Theme Captain Theme Captain Theme
0: Captain Theme. It's my favorite superhero. <laughs>
1: um, but yeah, mostly just gonna we to take a lot of information that I just collected for this episode on mm-hmm. um, to you. Um and I'm super excited.
0: You're gonna mom and me the information?
1: Exactly. And all of you.
0: Love it. I do have a confession to make.
1: What is your confession?
0: I already know your topic.
1: How? I well we were sitting right next to each <laughs> other when we were when you were editing and I was I, I didn't I, think about it I, though.
0: I didn't get it like because I know I always ask you and I try to get the like
1: did I talk about it
0: you didn't talk about it I didn't it was an accident not even an accident on my part like I was just in the room and you started watching a video
1: oh no while you you were
0: doing research you just started watching a video that was like playing out loud and I was like I'm gonna pretend I didn't hear that well
1: I will say that I I made this I made this a dual episode so you only know half of it but still oops
0: yeah (laughs) So I, I heard part of it, so I already know that part, but I didn't know there was a dual episode. So if there's if there's more to
1: that. Listen, living in a one bedroom where we both have to work full time, is very difficult to be. I able
0: feel like, to like if I'm in the room and you're gonna watch a video doing research, you should probably put headphones on. I didn't, I just Like that okay. that's not even that's not even the vicinity thing. That's just that's just poor planning. This and, is trial
1: like and error.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that was error. Big error
1: It's fine okay. So anyway If anybody else was curious About what the topic of Ooh the- I don't know What
0: that one is though Why <laughs> were two Look Sorry, sorry. <laughs> Because I, I'm, I'm I'm sorry turn your, turn your computer away from me Look away Okay So What are we learning About today Junie
1: Brown versus Board of Education And the Little Rock Nine
0: I don't know What the Little Rock Nine is
1: What Okay So Okay
0: <laughs> So Sergio, Sergio shook his head He said no
1: so, okay, so Sergio and I were talking before this episode, and I I do try to not tell what the um, theme of the episode is or what the topic of the episode is to either of them, because I want it to be engaging and fun for all of us, and like, you know, Sergio just has to sit here and look at our mugs for f- however long it takes us to film, um, so I would like it to In be, our like interesting for y'all and for them, but to keep it kind of interesting and keep them both engaged, I would like them to not know what it is beforehand, so he uh, asked like how much I knew about this Mm -hmm. topic and the Brown part, I knew basically the name. I had no idea like what the case was about or what it resulted in or anything. Um, I knew it was like super important to like the civil rights movement, but Mm -hmm. didn't really know anything outside of that. And then the little rock nine, I actually did know about and that one I do remember learning in school and it just like the, what it is. Is super important, and I just it's stuck in my memory. Um I obviously didn't know all of like the nooks and crannies of it, but we'll we'll figure all those out along
0: the way. Well, there's gonna be a, I don't know any of it, so that's beautiful,
1: super super exciting stuff. I'm really excited about this episode. Um, cool. So I
0: I when I hear Little Rock Nine, I picture
1: don't say anything offensive.
0: <laughs> I don't think it's gonna be offensive. I don't mean it. it just Little Rock Nine sounds like like nine. Uh, like it reminds me of uh, the seven dwarfs. Like I, I yeah. picture nine little dwarfs in like a, a field.
1: Oh, I was thinking, like.
0: Or like, or doing the thing. I was thing. thinking,
1: like, drug related something because, like, Little Rock just makes me think of drugs for some
0: There are two types of people. Yeah. <laughs> I think of dwarves pickaxing, getting diamonds. and just, <laughs> I think it's think offensive? Of, I don't think that's offensive. It's not offensive. <laughs> I it was Dwayne when he was nine. The who? Wait. Shut up. You know, a first name basis with The Rock. So stupid.
1: Bitch, I could be. So I could be.
0: Uh, another, another wrestling reference. Thank you. Thank you for that, Sergio.
1: Um, so, uh, as with every episode, I would like to put the disclaimer that if I got anything wrong or if I missed anything, which, like, this is a huge case, and it's A affected a lot of cases and it had, and B had a lot of preceding cases. So I didn't cover those as extensively as we could, um, because I wanted to focus on what the actual case of Brown was. Um, so I like, if there's a lot of information that I missed there, that's not necessarily like, you know, bad, but if I did miss anything with the case, or you think that there's anything super important that we should know about this case and the, evolution of education for um black children in america or black people in america please um let me know at uh use the the, or send it to the email hello at mntpodcast.com and you can find that at our website at mntpodcast.com that's m n t podcast
0: also in our last episode when i did this when you said the email thing it like i i timed it perfectly but the way i did it it was like the perfect time that like it, it
1: unraveled yeah
0: that it unravels so it's like when i when it goes on screen my hand does this at the exact same pace that it goes on screen so i'm really proud of that
1: i got a comment about the the title card thing like the the joint title card uh-huh. thing Um, people just thought it was funny that you just hadn't thought of that. You're just like, it's so hard. And I was like, how about the super easy solution? You're like, oh, Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs)
0: That's fair. Um, Also, um, I usually try to turn my label away from the camera.
1: There is no away from that.
0: But yeah, this can I was like, I was like nailed it. And I looked and I was like, oh, damn it. So.
1: What? What the- Shout out 2020. Am I right?
0: <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bummer. Right.
1: If anybody's listening, we're drinking Coronas. So.
0: Yeah. Not sponsored. Although if they if they want yes they want to you know yes although I am a Pacific hell I'll take Corona
1: Corona <laughs> Coronas
0: Cur- C- 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 I'll be a <laughs> Corona. Okay. Alright, let's let's get into, let's the, get act, into it. the actual topic.
1: So my sources this week were history.com, us courts.gov, Wikipedia, OYES, 13.org, and Britannica.
0: What was the two two back?
1: OYES O-Y-E-Z. I I did I used that for actually I think I used that one for Area 51. <laughs>
0: the episode that shall not be named.
1: Yes, yeah. So yeah. All right. Houses. Cool. Jesus. Classic.
0: classic. Classic,
1: Junie. Sharing. I'm still so hearing. Okay. So, um, who here has heard of the term "separate but equal"? Cool.
0: Me. I have.
1: I'm gonna give you a history of that. Where that came from. Okay. So a separate but equal provided the legal basis for racial segregation from 1896 to 1954. So over 50 years, mm-hmm. that term held ground, enough ground to justify segregation, racial segregation in the United States. Um, legally. Yeah. Um, so the Supreme Court handed down the landmark decision of, wow, What? Oh, so yeah, so sorry. In 1954, the reason why that changed is because the Supreme Court handed down the landmark decision of Brown versus Board of Education. So separate but equal technically violates the 14th Amendment, which guarantees rights to all citizens regardless of color. And um, the 14th Amendment was passed just after the Civil War, which ended in 1865. So I'll tell you about the case that actually gets into this, but separate but equal was instituted in 1896, which the Fourteenth Amendment was 1865. So 1865 we said people regardless of color like deserve equal rights. And, and then 30
0: then years later
1: we we were like, cool, but but we're gonna they're gonna be equal, but we're gonna be separate. yeah, um, and that justified actual like segregation, which obviously it totally goes against equality. so yeah. Yeah. Um, In 1892, Homer Plessy, an African-American, refused to give up his seat on a train in New Orleans, which was illegal in Louisiana at the time. So there were, um, like, white parts of the bus and black parts of the bus, and he refused to give up his seat. Which, who was the other person that refused to give up their seat who's super famous for in in the the timeline for knowing that?
0: I will say I am... One beer in, so I, my brain's a little fuzzy, but I'm going to say Rosa Parks.
1: Nice, yes. Fucking okay, nailed
0: it. <laughs> I forgot that I was just going to walk off the show. That was going to be it.
1: <laughs> so this this gentleman right here uh-huh. is Homer Plessy. He is the person who refused to give up his seat. You got a nice beard. He's, yeah. He's, I can't grow a beard. Pretty beautiful photo. Yeah. Uh, this is all I
0: can grow. This is This is like six years of growth. <laughs> <laughs> it's not good.
1: Um, Plessy was arrested for this refusal. So just for not giving up his seat, he was arrested, but he fought against his arrest in court, stating that the separation of black and white people on trains violated the equal protection clause of the 14th amendment. In 1896, he made it all the way to the U S Supreme court, but was ruled against eight to one.
0: Yeah, that makes sense.
1: It was constitutionally sanctioned, uh, that Jim Crow laws were legal. Um, so if you don't know what Jim Crow laws are, because, like, I feel like that's, like, a sweeping statement. It's one of those things that you just hear all the time. You might not know what yeah. it is. It's like it's, Brown
0: versus Board of Education. It's like exactly. people know yeah. the name, know what it yeah. sort of accomplished, but, like, yeah. not exactly. So
1: they're they're the, the discriminatory laws by state. So anything that, that really, like, racially segregates or targets um, any race is, I mean, but... But, you know, yeah. black folks specifically are Jim Crow's loss. Jim Crow loss. Um, and this case, the Plessy versus Ferguson case, is what established this separate but equal doctrine. Got it. Um, the decision was supported by saying that the 14th Amendment was to enforce the equality of two races in regard to law, but could not abolish distinctions based on color. There is a quote that said, if one race be inferior to the other socially, the Constitution of the United States cannot put them upon the same plane. So they're basically saying that we can make law equal for both races, but the Constitution cannot diminish segregation. It cannot diminish racism because inherently, basically, Um, Black people are of a different class, and the Constitution can't determine that.
0: Sounds messed up. Super fucked up. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, So the one person who voted in favor of Plessy because it was an 8-1 to vote was Justice John Marshall Harlan, who stated, Our Constitution is colorblind and neither knows nor tolerates classes among citizens.
0: I'm glad that you told me that because I was literally going to ask, but then I decided not to ask. I was like, who was the one? But yeah. I was like, no, you're going to yell at me for asking the dumb question.
1: But- I Oh, that's another thing with this research. I tried so hard to like <laughs> reading back through my notes, which I've gotten into the habit of now. I'll read back through it and be like, if there's any ambiguation, try and Google and figure it out. Good. Um, so this, this statement that says that the Constitution doesn't know class or race mm-hmm. uh, became a rallying cry for few. Feud- movements declaring segregation unconstitutional sweet this is a little tidbit um but in 1927 the supreme court upheld a school's decision to prevent children of chinese descent to attend white school so this wasn't just a black white issue but um a very complex race issue but this episode we're focusing on um the racism against black americans and It was what was at the forefront of the civil rights movement. Yeah. So, um, this next section is called Road to Brown. This is going to be some background before we actually got to the case of Brown versus Board. Um, In the 1930s, scholars at Howard University and activists at the NAACP sought to undermine education segregation in graduate schools first. So that's why in the beginning when I was like I said like black children it wasn't just children it was yeah. people going to colleges that could not go to white colleges yeah. and trying to get their upper degrees of education and they started
0: in adult schools first is what you're saying they started in graduate schools
1: the people trying to target yes. educational segregation yes started yes. targeting graduate schools yes. first yeah um, and if we go back to our last episode just like you know it wasn't that like black kids or children or whatever were incapable of getting these degrees or whatever. They were yeah. just denied the opportunity. So in the case yeah. of, um, Woodson, yeah. the person who started a uh, Negro history week, he, he was only
0: allowed to go five out of the nine months and he couldn't even make that.
1: And he like, it just, he had to fight tooth and nail and like, just absolutely dedicate his life to his education in order to become a doctor, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Not like a medical doctor, An but edu- he had his PhD. An educator
0: himself. Yes, exactly. He also taught. Yeah. Cool. I only remember all that because I watched the episode today because I was editing it. <laughs> Maybe I do retain some information. You don't know me.
1: Um. So, um, this led the target of graduate, excuse me, the targeting of graduate schools first led to successes in the cases of Mendez versus Westminster School District of Orange County, which was in 1946. Classic. This case challenged Mexican remedial schools in Orange County. Um, in the case of Sweat versus Painter, I don't know if you that's how you pronounce it. It's sweat with two T's, but I think it's sweat. I um,
0: mean, it's sweet.
1: Maybe, but versus Painter in uh, 1950, which challenged the, quote, separate but equal uh, doctrine in the case of came in Marion Sweat uh, being refused admission to the School of Law at the University of Texas and became influential in the Brown case. Cool. And then in the case of McLaurin versus Oklahoma State Regents, which was also in 1950, uh, where George W. McLaurin was denied admission to the University of Oklahoma to pers- pursue his doctorate in education. So he sued the school and was granted admission, but was still... Separated within the school. So this was a win for him because he got to attend this graduate school.
0: Yeah, but they kept him separate from everything but else.
1: But they gave him a special table in the cafeteria. They gave him a designated desk in the library. And they gave him a desk just outside the classroom doorway so that he couldn't actually be within the classroom. And sometimes even made him eat at different times than the other students to keep him separate.
0: All of that sounds really fucked up, but, like, I would love to have had, like, a separate spot in school forever, but like within like within. Just like just like in the back of the class, give me a desk. Give me a my own seat in the cafeteria, but like not in a dick way. This was all dick. This is all dick moves.
1: And it's also
0: I'm just antisocial. I just want to be alone.
1: This is completely denying equal rights for black Absolutely. Americans.
0: Absolutely. Especially giving him a seat outside of the classroom. It's like cool, you're in, but you're not you're you're being hindered in like actually learning the information and stuff like Mm
1: -hmm.
0: yeah Yeah. so bad.
1: Yes. So that brings us to the case of Brown versus Board of Education, Topeka. Kansas? Yep. In the early nineteen fifties, the NAACP filed lawsuits on behalf of plaintiffs in South Carolina, Virginia, and Delaware. So, the NAACP was putting in work to combat racial segregation in education. So, if you remember from what we just said, the NAACP was helping the scholars at Howard University to do all the graduate school work. Yeah. So, they were really fucking after it. Also, do you remember what the NAACP is?
0: I don't remember what it stands for.
1: National Association of the Advancement of Colored People. Which... I don't know why, but that is the only acronym I remember from high school. Like, 100%. Even if you would have asked me, like, a month ago what it meant, I would be able to tell you. Yeah.
0: yeah I don't even know what PEMDAS stands for.
1: Please excuse my dear Aunt Sally.
0: Well, that's... <laughs> that's the... Uh, what's it called when it helps you remember?
1: Oh, you have no idea what are those called.
0: What are those called?
1: This is my... That was my... Nobody answered, but my portmanteau question of when you portmanteau two words that are right next to Got each other. Got
0: it. Um... What are those called, Sergey? Do you know what they're called? It's uh, I got nothing.
1: Do you know what the difference between an what the difference between an initialism and an acronym is? No. Do you know what an initialism?
0: is? <laughs> no.
1: So the NAACP is an initialism because you don't pronounce it NACP. But NASA is an acronym because you pronounce it as a word.
0: That is a fun tidbit, I would yes. say. Yeah.
1: It's
0: a fun little tidbit yeah. you, get, you just gave there.
1: So if you ever hear somebody saying that the NAACP is an acronym, it's not. <laughs> um. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you just showed them.
1: <laughs> what can I say?
0: Um. What Just were we even talking about? Farming the
1: people with education. Um, the difference, or what's what it is called when you put a difference. So
0: please excuse my dear Aunt Sally, is like a, a way to remember the uh, acronym.
1: Mm-hmm. It's an acronym. It is an acronym.
0: Uh, so it's like a way to remember that without say like... Uh, Parentheses,
1: yeah. exponents, multiplication, and division... Wait, PEM? Nope. Multiplication, yeah. division, ad- addition, subtraction.
0: There it is. Like, uh, Eddie Eight dynamite. Goodbye, Eddie. S- standard tuning for a guitar.
1: What? I've never heard that before. <laughs> oh. Like
0: E-A-D... G-B-E. Yeah. Eddie Eight dynamite. Goodbye, Eddie.
1: Um, that's fucking sick. The one for ukulele is my dog has fleas, but it's not, it's not, it has nothing to do with the actual tuning. But that's what you sing when you try and tune. So you say, my dog has fleas. That's like how you tune, you
0: Our dog does not have fleas.
1: <laughs> uh, no, he does not. Um, what were we
0: actually talking about initially, where we just sidebarred, like, oh, the, what the
1: AACP Oh, what the NAACP was.
0: Yeah. I Yeah. I still don't remember. You just told me, and I don't remember again.
1: National Association for the Advancement of Colored People. That's what it is. So, they were helping like individual families and peoples that were trying to battle their own fights of racial segregation and education by representing them and filing lawsuits on their behalf for their counties and their districts. And even federally in 1951, Oliver Brown, who was a parent, a welder in the shops of the Santa Fe railroad, as well as an assistant pastor at his local church, and 12 other Black families in similar situations filed a class action lawsuit against the Board of Education of Topeka, Kansas, under guidance by the NAACP. Nice. This is what our dear friend Oliver Brown looks like.
0: Let's go look him in.
1: Excuse me, Reverend Oliver Brown. Um, his specific case uh, was brought to... The Board of Education, because his daughter, Linda Brown, was denied admittance to Topeka's All-Way Elementary School, Sumner Elementary, which was seven blocks from her house. Instead, what they made her do was take a bus that was six blocks from her house to a school that was a mile from her house. Which was, excuse me, Monroe Elementary. Okay. Which was an all-black elementary school. And this is Linda Brown.
0: Good looking. Takes after her daddy.
1: Yeah, she's very darling. Uh, and she she actually lived to be, I want to say 78. Uh, I should figure that out. Uh, but she, yeah, like she, I have a quote from her later on of her experience going through this. Um. So Oliver Brown was put at the head of the roster for all those 12 families because the NAACP thought it was a good legal strategy to have a man at the head of the roster so that it would be more likely to be heard by the courts. Got it. The other um, 11 people who were filing cases were Darlene Brown, Lena Carpenter, Carper, excuse me, sorry, uh, Sadie Emanuel, Marguerite Emerson, Shirley Fleming, Zelma Henton, Nurson, Shirley Hodison, Maude Lawton, Alma Lewis, Ayanna Richardson, and Lucinda Todd. So all of those folks and their families, in addition to Oliver Brown and Linda Brown, were filing a lawsuit against the Board of Education in Topeka, specifically due to racial segregation in their um, education or their children's. Got it the lawsuit claimed that the schools for black children were not equal to those for white children and that the segregation violated the equal protection clause of the 14th amendment, which is what we heard in, in several of the above cases.
0: You may, uh, you're, you may about to be going into that, but, uh, I want to know what the, like the unequal, I'm just like, curious, like, but the unequal parts, I'm sure they were underfunded or like, or like, is it, so anything like that, like what the all black schools, like how they were, like not only just being separated, but like were they like underfunded or like just less equipped to
1: so, teach or house? So like, yes, or, but also um like the entire county and district of like Topeka mm-hmm. was sorry I don't know I just said like um <laughs> like um Topeka uh they were much more invested in white schools. So they were invested in getting, like, <laughs> yeah, better educators and better <laughs> services and better just everything yeah. for white schools. Yeah. But the U.S. District Court in Kansas agreed that school segregation had a detrimental effect upon black children, but they still upheld the separate but equal clause because they said that segregated public schools were quote substantially equal with respect to buildings, transportation, curricula, and educational qualifications of teachers. So they, the actual district court analyzed the difference between black and white schools Mm -hmm. and said that they're, Basically, or substantially equal. So they were equal enough to be constitutional under the Plessy Doctrine. Okay. The plaintiffs then appealed to the Supreme Court because they were like, fuck that. That's bullshit. Mm -hmm. And there should be no reason why our children cannot receive the same education and be integrated with white kids. Yeah. So in 1952, the Supreme Court agreed to hear the case along with four others. So, uh, these additional cases were um, Briggs versus Elliott in South Carolina, Davis versus Board of Education of Prince Edward County in Virginia, Bowling versus Sharp in Washington, D.C., and Gebhart versus Eth- Ethel in Delaware. So, the NAACP was also helping these cases. Yes. Yeah. Um, but all of these were collectively heard under Brown versus board of education of Topeka. So they kind of use that as the umbrella case to be able to appeal to the Supreme court with one very solid structure yeah. of targeting racial, racial as separation, opposed to
0: taking all of these separate cases to them. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah.
1: They're like, we have a good chance of really bringing this. And now we have places from all over in the North and the South that are, Segregated and are finding true detriment to their children and their education quality. Yeah. So uh, that brings us to the Supreme Court case. And um, I think we can dive into that after a quick break.
0: I need a quick break. Perfect. Maybe I'll take a, a slow break. Okay. What's the difference between a Quick break and a slow
1: break. I think a quick break is um, at least for our listeners, like just a little screen that says like "we're mm-hmm. and then uh, a slow break would probably be put be putting that at like uh, like point five speed.
0: Got it. So twice the speed.
1: What? No half speed.
0: Well, half speed, but twice the length is what I meant.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah. All right. So what we take as a long break, what they hear is a slow br- A quick break. I. Aye. Aye,
1: aye, senpai.
0: Ai aye, senpai. All right,
1: we'll be right back.
0: Welcome back. Welcome back.
1: So we left off with a third. Nope. Did we? No, I don't think we got there. So 1952, the Supreme Court agrees to hear the case of Brown versus Board, along with four other cases throughout the country. Yes. So uh, they were represented formally by Thurgood Marshall. Who is the head of the NAACP Legal Defense and Educational Fund? And that homie looks like this.
0: I know the name, I didn't know what it looked like. Um, you take these pictures away so quickly. Oh, sorry. I'm, 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 it's I'm, okay you can see them while our YouTube show. I'm sure I'll be seeing a lot more of him while I edit. But uh, yeah, just thank you. You're welcome. Go back. <laughs>
1: Go back so I can read all your notes.
0: No, I don't want I'm not reading your notes. Maybe you just when you don't just play videos while I'm in the room, I won't know what your topics are and the information that they hold.
1: Doesn't take away the fact that you look at my notes.
0: I don't look at your notes. I look at your screen.
1: <laughs> Guess where my notes are.
0: I don't read the notes. I just look at your screen cuz it's <laughs> I'm, I'm a millennial. I can't not look at a screen. Oh, no, no, no. Really? mm mm-hmm. Mhm. This is what this is what's come down to. Uh huh. <laughs> I think it's time for another quick break. <laughs> <laughs> All right, tell me, keep going. Third so good Marshall,
1: he handled the high level Brown versus Board of Education case in the Supreme Court, and he later became the first Black Supreme Court justice. He ruled. Ruled. I don't know. He. He functioned (laughs) as the Associate Justice of the Supreme Court of the United States from October 1967 to October 1991. That's a long time. That's a long time. In December of 1952, the Justice Department filed a friend of the court brief in the case. So I don't really know what that was, but friend of the court is a legal thing where they bring in someone to offer facts and give information that aren't related with the case. So totally, completely independent of the case. But it's was basically like phoning a friend and getting more information into the court for the overall case.
0: Friend of the court.
1: Yes. So the brief had a heavy emphasis on foreign relations, stating that the existence of discrimination against minority groups in the United States has an adverse effect upon our relations with other countries. So basically saying that because we're racist pieces of shit, our relationships with our surrounding countries and the countries with whom we should have good relationships are being affected negatively.
0: As we've seen recently as well.
1: Yes. The um, brief also quoted a letter by Secretary of State Dean Acheson, which said, quote, The United States is under constant attack in the foreign press over the foreign radio and in such international bodies as the United Nations because of various practices of discrimination in this country. For the case of Brown versus Board, um, the court was initially divided. They were unable to come to a decision in June of 1953, so they decided to rehear the case in December of 1953. The justices, in support of desegregation, spent a lot of effort trying to convince those who were Against desegregation, Mm -hmm. they tried, they spent a lot of their effort trying to get them to switch their opinion. Got it. Because what they wanted was to get a unanimous opinion. Not that the ruling would be any less effective, but it would just kind of hold more weight if it was a unanimous decision as opposed to just being a majority decision. Got it. Uh, There was one justice named Chief Justice Fred M. Vinson, who wanted to uphold the Plessy decision, so wanted to enforce separate but equal. Um, But he died in September of 1953 before the case was heard for the second time in December. Um, And he was replaced with our good, very wonderful fellow Earl Warren, who was the then governor of California.
0: Well, you know, I don't like to speak ill of the dead, but sucks to suck. Is I, there a photo?
1: There's a photo. This is our our pal Earl Warren. Wow. I tried to get big photos this time. I, like, did a lot of digging for good photos so that you would have good photos to I work mean, with. I mean,
0: I always, if, if you don't give me a good photo, I always end up just searching for the but same that's photo. Like, but that's what I'm saying.
1: Anyway. That's, like, it's a lot of extra work for you. So that's i like like two to, seconds. like, it
0: Wikipedia photos are always the small. Those are the only ones I always ever have to like re-look for, but
1: yeah. eh, it's not a big deal. Um, so yeah, so this homie died in September, so he was replaced with Earl Warren. Warren, with his political skill and determination, engineered a unanimous verdict against segregation. So he almost single-handedly got the stragglers who were in support of segregation to flip sides my guy he based much of his opinion on information from social science studies rather than court precedent so rather than the facts that were at hand he was like how is segregation actually affecting the children who are enduring it yeah and um i don't necessarily know if it was his information and like what he gathered that he presented to the justices or what but they did cite in one of the articles that i was reading the um The social experiment where they put uh, a bunch of kids in a room, like an experiment room, and then they gave them a white Barbie and a black Barbie. And then they like had them choose which one that they wanted Mm -hmm. or dolls, white and black dolls. And every single every single kid, even black kids, chose the white Barbie. And that has happened several times since. And it is always unanimous, always white Barbie. So. Um, yeah, so that was, like, one of the things. But that's, like, a, a very small example of, like, social things. They also did, like, there were several studies that were done on the psychological effects of segregation with actual kids. And, and he used a lot of those results to base his opinion off of and brought that information to the justices to support his opinion that segregation should be
0: stopped. Yeah. And that's even, like, in, like, representation. I mean, that that's what it comes down to is representation, even in toys, but, like, in TV and film now, it's like people want to be like the people they see on TV, and if they see, you know, white people all the time, they're gonna want to be like those heroes or those like they're gonna want to pick that. So if they have toys, like they're gonna pick those toys because they're the Mm -hmm. ones they see being heroes. So like, Mm -hmm. I want to be like that.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Not that they necessarily want to be white, but they associate white with those all
1: of the privilege, yeah,
0: all and all of the
1: yeah the the um, attention, yes. So he presented the justices with simple with the simple argument, excuse me, that the only reason to sustain segregation was an honest belief of the inferiority of Negroes, which is like fundamentally absolutely fucking true. Uh Um, But even with that argument of saying like, hey, if you say no to this, you're just fucking racist there were still two justices who took much more convincing. They held on basically until the last minute to change their opinion. But they did finally concede, and the last of the two to concede ended up crying during the opinion like read. So during the like once the ruling was out, he cried when it was stated.
0: The people that took the longest to concede?
1: Yeah, well, the last guy who the last did. Guy. The straggler. He was he I I mean like he made the vote to end segregation, but c- cried when it was actually like expressed. Yeah, when it was whatever. when I was
0: actually you know put forth yes. as the judgment.
1: Yes, exactly. The Supreme Court stated, "quote To separate black children from others of similar age and qualifications solely because of their race generates a feeling of inferiority as to their status in the community that may affect their hearts and minds in a way unlikely to ever be undone." Yep. So that and that's brings- not even
0: taking into account like generational trauma. Hundred percent. We talked about it's yeah. Like, yeah, it's gonna. It's not just this generation of kids, and if things you know are better, it's gonna keep that's not something that's going to fade away because it's better now for these kids. It's like, nope, that's going to be passed down for, for many
1: generations. Yeah, I do actually want to give that example of the generational trauma thing that I was telling you about. But there is a study done on mice who were exposed to Japanese cherry blossom. And every single time that they were exposed to Japanese cherry blossom, they were shocked, like electric shocked, so that they created a negative association with Japanese cherry blossoms. So then they reproduced, And without doing any like shocking, they exposed the children of the original mice to Japanese cherry blossom who had an inherent aversion to Japanese cherry blossom. And it got so far as the grandchildren. So their children's children had same experiment run. Once they were exposed to Japanese cherry blossom, they also showed negative responses. So like that is is an experiment to kind of prove generational trauma which during this super pivotal time, like between, you know, the 1860s and up till now, which were in the 50s, 1950s, that's, that's, you know, I mean, and even prior to that, but just a huge, as things were evolving, like Black folks in America were still going through severe trauma. And just because you know, these kids weren't slaves. Doesn't mean that their parents weren't slaves or their grandparents weren't slaves, and they feel those effects whether or not they've actually experienced them. So, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, but luckily, on May seventeenth of nineteen fifty four, Thurgood Marshall and his legal team scored an historic victory in the struggle for civil rights. Hell yeah. So Chief Justice Earl Warren, our our buddy that got everybody onto the right side, announced the landmark decision and unanimous verdict, stating... We conclude that in the field of public education, the doctrine of separate but equal has no place. Separate educational facilities are inherently unequal. Therefore, we hold the plaintiffs and others similarly situated for whom the actions who have been brought are, by reason of the segregation complained of, deprived of the equal protection of the laws guaranteed by the 14th Amendment. So that was the decision. That was, like, the ultimate yeah. statement of the yeah. decision. Um, it also uh, largely used language that was relatively accessible to non-lawyers because Warren felt it necessary for all Americans to understand its logic. Absolutely. So basically saying, under the 14th Amendment, this is non-constitutional. We're ending segregation. Yeah. Um, And this was the absolute landmark decision, which overruled Plessy versus Ferguson, which was used in all of the prior cases that yeah. argued against racial segregation. And that was the. What is it called the doctrine that was stated in every one of those cases and was the reason why they were all turned down. Yeah, not the only, but it was it was a huge proponent of ensuring that segregation was in, continued to be instituted in America. Yeah. So this was a cornerstone of the cornerstone, cornerstone cornerstone of the civil rights movement. However, the verdict did not specify how integration was supposed to be carried out. So they were like, "We want to start integrating black kids in white schools and start mm-hmm. making sure, like, you know, getting all that." Uh, done in ending, ending segregation and stopping the white versus black schools and all of that. Um, but they didn't say, this is our plan to move forward and ensuring that that happens. Yeah. And they expected opposition to the ruling, especially in southern states. So they were just like, yep, all these southern states are going to like fight back. So what they did instead of them telling the states what to do because they didn't think that it would go well, they asked the attorney generals of each states with each of the states with laws permitting segregation in schools to like submit their own plans for rolling out desegregation so instead of giving them a plan they're like you have to give us a plan like you have to do it but like we're not going to tell you how so most southern whites believed that brown was quote a day of catastrophe a black monday a day something like pearl harbor That was a quote. Um, and if you don't know what a black Monday is because I didn't, I had like the little highlighted thing in Wikipedia. It is an unfortunate play on words here, but a black Monday is actually just anything that happens like catastrophically and happens to be on a Monday. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what they, uh, that's what a bunch of Southern white people said. Um, it was quoted by Robert G. McCloskey in his book *The American Supreme Court* on page 144 that quote: "The desegregation decision hardened resistance to integration proposals." Uh, so, for several decades after Brown.
0: So it so what that it was saying that it made it harder to like things that were already proposed. It made it worse.
1: No. What, it, what he was saying is that this decision didn't, like, enforce or bring people to, like, the side of an, of integration. It made them firmer on their yes. resistance to it. Yeah.
0: That's what I was saying. Oh. Okay. I don't know if I worded it right. I don't
1: think you did. Yeah. I'm drunk. But yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yes.
0: Yeah. That's what I was
1: saying. Like. Yeah. Um, so, for several decades, and I capitalized decades because I could not fathom that that's how fucking long it took. It was not a couple years, a couple months, whatever. It was decades after Brown. Black educators and other school staff were laid off due to the South's resistance to integration and attempts to achieve white leadership. So, they basically took any step that they could to find loopholes in bringing equity to education for white and black children um, according to historian michael Foltz, in many ways the south moved faster with more deliberate speed in displacing black educators than it did desegregating schools
0: so their focus they fought back twice as hard exactly it, rather than yes you know letting letting up a little bit they were like nope we're gonna go harder on
1: mm-hmm. fighting now. yeah exactly Um, So there was also something that resulted from the Brown verdict. And this is just there in several states, there was um, pushback in so many different ways. But there was something in Virginia called massive resistance. And it was a strategy declared by the U.S. Senator of Virginia, Harry F. Byrd, senior, (laughs) to unite white politicians and leaders in Virginia to prevent public school desegregation. So. Just gathered a bunch of white folks and were like, "We're not doing this." Got it. Um, many schools and even an entire school system were shut down in 1958 and 59 to block integration, and it definitely set back the integration process. But it was ultimately declared unconstitutional by a three-panel judge of federal district district judges from the Eastern District of Virginia. So they bands together to do this, but then they were ultimately told, like these are the the methods yeah, in which you're trying to you resist are yeah. unconstitutional. Um,
0: so when you say they shut down, they just like didn't do school for like a year. They
1: closed school like 100%. two years, yeah, a
0: year and a half at mm-hmm.
1: least. Yep,
0: that's stupid.
1: Fucking ridiculous.
0: How does that help anybody?
1: Uh, it doesn't. It it <laughs> doesn't, and that's the thing. If they're just trying to hurt Black folks, they are not trying to. Make anything better. Um, so, yeah, but uh, that happened. And then some aspects of that campaign actually continued in Virginia for many years. So, even though it was ruled unconstitutional, they still persisted and still tried to find loopholes in this system of integration. All right. Which leads us to a case that became known as Brown 2. So, in uh, May of 1955, after more hearings regarding the task of of desegregation, the court finally handed down a plan for how it was to proceed with integration um, in a case known as Brown II.
0: How many years later is this? What year is this? 55.
1: And the ruling was in 53. Oh, okay. Yeah. But it was, like, two years of people just, like, not knowing what the fuck to do in regard to um desegregation and then also in most cases resisting uh the ruling stated that desegregation was to proceed proceed with quote all deliberate speed so if you remember the quote that i just said um the michael fultz quoted that the south was moving faster with more deliberate speed in displacing black yeah. black educators than actually excuse me moving forward in integration Um, The decision was criticized for its ambiguity, even by people who were in full support of Brown, the Brown decision. Mm -hmm. So they were saying that because you actually didn't say what exactly they needed to do other than they need to move forward with desegregation, you're not enacting anything substantial.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, many southern states and school districts interpreted Brown, II as legal justification for resisting, delaying, and avoiding significant integration for years, and in some cases, a decade or more.
0: In what way is that justification?
1: I, yeah.
0: But yep. it, when it's that ambiguous, it's, like, open for interpretation, apparently. Right. So.
1: Yeah, so they used tactics such as closing down entire school systems Using state money to finance segregated private schools and token integration, where a few carefully selected black children were admitted to formerly white only schools, but the vast majority remained in underfunded, unequal black schools in the South specifically. Okay. Although the case of Brown did not completely solve desegregation, it was a landmark decision in moving forward civil rights. Yeah. So, as you can see, like, there was a lot of resistance and stuff, but...
0: But it put it put something in front of them that they were resisting rather than...
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly. Rather than having the open permission to segregate schools. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So, um, Linda Brown Thompson, who was the original daughter in the Brown case, so Oliver Brown's daughter, Linda Brown, yeah. Linda Brown Thompson later recalled the experience of being refused enrollment. And I have a big quote of her experience recapture here. So just bear with me.
0: Was she, was she the one in like the, the photo, like the iconic photos of like her going to school on like the first, like the first day of like...
1: No, but i show you that.
0: You show me that later? Yeah. Okay. That's
1: a part of the Little Rock Nine, you ding dong.
0: Oh, I'm the asshole. <laughs> 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 All never, right. I've never heard the Little Rock Nine. I've never heard the phrase before.
1: I guarantee you have. You just didn't remember. Anyway, (laughs) um, so Linda Brown quoted, was quoted saying, um, and this was in a PBS documentary about um, this case, like later on. But she said, quote, we lived in an integrated neighborhood and I had all of these playmates of different nationalities. And so when I found out that day that I might be able to attend their school, I was just thrilled, you know. And I remember walking over to Sumner School with my dad that day and going up the steps of the school and the school looked so big to a smaller child. And I remember going inside and my dad spoke with someone and then he went into the inner office with the principal and they left me out to sit outside with the secretary. And while he was in the inner office, I could hear voices and hear his voice raised, you know, as the conversation went on. And then immediately he came out of the office, took me by the hand, and we walked home from the school. I just couldn't understand what was happening because I was so sure that I was going to get to go to school with Mona and Guinevere, Wanda, and all of my playmates. Got it. Yeah. So Brown versus Board of Education became the model for many future impact litigation cases, which are lawsuits intended to affect societal change.
0: Okay.
1: So that is our... Section on Brown versus Board of Education.
0: Now we're getting to the little, little, little pickaxe people getting diamonds. (laughs) Little rock nine. Little rock nine. Little rock nine. Where is Little Rock?
1: Arkansas. That's what I thought. So you have heard of it?
0: I've heard of Little Rock.
1: Probably because of this case.
0: <laughs> no, I just heard of Little Rock. <laughs> I've never heard of the nine. Are there nine Little Rocks there?
1: Can I tell my story?
0: Yeah, you can tell your story. I'm sorry. In
1: 1957, in Arkansas, the first institutions to begin integrating were high schools. Uh-huh. So after all of this, and uh, the Brown Two decision was in 1955, which was like, hey, start actually fucking integrating your schools. Mm-hmm. So in fifty seven, Arkansas started integrating high schools. There were two pro segregation groups that formed to oppose this integration plan, called the Capital Citizens Council and the Mothers League of Central High School. I All just
0: right. sorry, I was trying to I was trying to see if they had, a, they had a cool um, acronym or something. They 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 don't.
1: No, and they shouldn't. No, they
0: shouldn't. I was just I was just trying. To. Yeah. Anyway. Unless
1: you, unless like the Capital Citizens Council, you can make all of those Ks instead of Cs.
0: That's not, no, that's not cool.
1: Right. They're fucking white supremacists. No, I know
0: they are. (laughs) I just, I'm not arguing (laughs) with you there. I don't know why you're hollering at me.
1: Cause we shouldn't be making them cool.
0: I was trying to make them cool. I was just, it's about acronyms. It's about, it's linguistically cool. Not, you know, uh, I forgot the word. It's about language, (laughs) not about their actual goals.
1: So um, a group- Who are these assholes? No, not them. I don't give a fuck about them. We're just saying that there was some opposition, and of course there fucking was. But even with all of that happening, a group of nine black students enrolled at a formerly all-white Central High School in Little Rock, Arkansas in September of 1957. These nine folks were Minnie Jean Brown- Elizabeth Eckford, Ernest Green, Thelma Mothershed, Mothershed maybe, Mothershed, I think, uh, Melba Patillo, Gloria Ray, Torrance Roberts, Jefferson Thomas, and Carlotta Walls. They had been recruited by Daisy Gaston Bates, who is the president of the Arkansas NAACP and the co-publisher of the Arkansas State Press, which was an influential influential African-American newspaper in Arkansas. Cool. So I will show you all of these folks, Daisy Bates included. These are the Little Rock Nine. This is Daisy Bates. Amazing. Yes.
0: God, fashion. I know. You'll love to see it. That guy's tie was so long.
1: uh, Well, no, I think his pants are really high.
0: Either way, it's a a long tie. It's hard to argue that it's not a long tie.
1: Uh, These children were vetted and acknowledged to possess the strength and determination to face the resistance that they would encounter by being integrated into a white school. So Mm -hmm. they found these kids and they were like tough kids. Um, But before school started, these students participated in intensive counseling sessions to guide them through what to expect and how to respond to anticipated hostile situations.
0: I can't even imagine.
1: Yeah. No, no. But they, like, I don't know if they, I, they had to have volunteered. They had to have been asked and, like, accepted. Yeah, of course. Accepted. Of, of
0: course. Like, like they said, they found, like, these tough kids. Like, exactly. They, they weren't, like, hey, you randomly, like, you kids want to. Yeah. Or, like, yeah. you're going to be forced into this. It was, like, no, they found people that were up for the, the, the yeah, challenge. Yeah, absolutely suited to do it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, on September 4th, 1957, it was the first day of classes at Central High. So Daisy Bates was to drive all of the kids to school, but Elizabeth Eckford's family didn't have a telephone, so she didn't get the memo that she was going to be carpooled to school. So that is the iconic photo that you're thinking of. She showed up to school alone. So um, this is, I think I have two pictures of her. So this is her. The day of classes, mm-hmm. and she was surrounded by reporters and everything. This is her at the bus stop, waiting for the bus to take her to school. Mm-hmm. This is her 60 years later, 61 years later. Yeah, 61 years later.
0: Hard as fuck.
1: Sitting on a commemorative bench that was built to commemorate this. Yeah.
0: Damn. The yeah. glasses, everything.
1: Oh, yeah. 100%. She looks so fucking tough. <laughs>
0: I like to see it,
1: and then this is the iconic photo of her walking. That's into the school. photo I
0: was thinking of. Yes, yes. yep. It's <laughs> so mad,
1: unfazed. So oh background. yeah, this just so, so fucking furious, and she's just uh, get focused. it together. Yeah. You so, have something
0: else to do. You nothing to do.
1: I mean, they have to go to school, and they're at school. No, I mean, that's cool
0: <laughs> I mean, just like I don't know.
1: Yeah, but these are so. We'll figure out who these fucking motherfuckers are. In uh, a second after we come back from another quick break. All right. All right. Perfect timing. I've got to wee during our wee break.
0: (laughs) Here we go on our wee break. Uh... We wee
1: break. So we left off with Elizabeth Eckford arriving alone. Yes. And we saw those dudes with the hats in the last picture the that we just saw. The background, yeah. And that is because Governor Orville Faubus, what a fucking name, uh, called in the Arkansas National Guard to block the black student's entry into the high school.
0: What a dick.
1: He said it was to preserve the peace.
0: How? Um, okay.
1: Um, so yeah, they were prevented from actually entering the school that day, but later on in the month, so September 20th, that was September 4th, September 25th, President Dwight D. Eisenhower sent in federal troops to escort the Little Rock Nine into the school. Fuck yeah. He sent the elite 101st Airborne Division called the Screaming Eagles to Little Rock and placed the Arkansas National Guard under federal command. So they were no longer listening to Favis. Uh, this drew national attention to the civil rights movement um and it was not easy for the students they faced physical and verbal attacks from white students and Minnie jean brown in one case was taunted by a member of a group of well by members of a group of white male students in december of 1957 so the same year they were september's when school started december of 1957 she was taunted by a just a gaggle of white dudes in the school cafeteria during lunch. And she ended up retaliating by dropping a bowl of chili onto them. And she was suspended for six days. And then two months later, after more confrontation, Brown was suspended for the rest of the school year. Yeah. Uh, The rest of the children did complete the school year and Ernest Green actually became the first African-American student to graduate from Little Rock Central High School that year or the following year, but, but that school year. So in February of 1958, so the following year, Little Rock School Board attempted to postpone their integration plan through the local federal court. They said that there was chaos, bedlam, and turmoil that had engulfed Central High School since the black students enrolled. Sounds like
0: you problem.
1: Uh, Yeah, but the court agreed and ordered the students to be removed from the school and that integration be delayed another two and a half years. The NAACP, once again pulling through, appealed on behalf of the Little Rock Nine to the Eighth Circuit of Court Appeals, which held that the delay would violate the rights of African-American students. So they were like, fuck no, you're not going to delay this. Or they're going to stay in school. Yeah. Like, this is bullshit.
0: Delaying this delays their education.
1: Exactly. So this case was actually brought to the U.S. Supreme Court, and it was known as the Cooper versus Aaron case. It was unanimously held that the constitutional rights of African-American students could not be sacrificed for the sake of order and peace in public high schools. So the students could remain in Central High and the integration plan was to be carried forward, like dictated by the Senate or the Supreme Court (laughs) (laughs) Senate. And yeah, so also... That is not where it stopped. It They didn't just stop there with saying, like, you can let, like, no, these schools are, these schools, these kids are staying in school and you will continue to integrate. They moved forward and actually ended up binding state government to the terms of the Constitution and ruled that because the state government is bound to the Supreme Court's decisions, it may not annul them with legislation, amendments, and orders. So saying that because the Supreme Court ordered that desegregation was to move forward states could not overrule the supreme court decisions got it um or constitutional rights yeah um yeah so in it in it like solidified that it was like like that was probably implicitly true but now it's it's a it's like court ruled yeah
0: they don't have the power to overrule the higher power in the Mm -hmm. hierarchy of the government yes obviously
1: So it was quoted that if Brown versus Board of Education provided the foundation for school integration in the 1950s and 60s, then Cooper versus Aaron provided the muscle. Uh, It affirmed the power of the federal courts to enforce federal civil rights laws and court decisions against the states. And um, state compliance with the principle of civil rights is, quote, indispensable for the protection of the freedoms guaranteed by our fundamental charter for all of us. Our constitutional ideal of equal justice under law is thus made a living truth. That is what resulted from the Cuba versus Aaron case. Perfect. Um, Fobos was reelected in 1958, but instead of permitting de- desegregation, he got around the rule by closing all of Little Rock schools.
0: <laughs> what an asshole. It's like if only white people can't play, no one gets to play.
1: Exactly. Right. Or, yeah. Or, yeah, if we're going to start letting black kids play, then nobody gets to. Yeah. Um, many districts in the South followed this practice, so not just limited to Arkansas. Um, but they followed the practice of either closing schools or implementing school choice programs, which encouraged white students to attend private segregated academies that were not covered by Brown versus Board of Education. Man's a cunt. So, yeah. So saying instead of like either close your schools or just put white kids in private schools.
0: Yeah. Which can't be covered because they're, they're private. Exactly. privatized. They're not.
1: And the Brown versus Board of Education was for public education. Yeah. Uh,
0: Yeah.
1: Um... Yes.
0: Oh, okay.
1: So uh, because in 58, uh, from the 58 to 59 school year, the schools were closed, it became known as the lost year, and the black community became a target for hate crimes since people blamed them for the closing of the schools. (laughs) Yeah. But finally, in 1959, three segregationist board members were replaced with three moderate ones and began to attempt... reopen the schools. Um, But that didn't mean that just because they could open and start integrating that it was just smooth sailing from there. Black students still had a difficult time getting past mobs to enter the school and once inside they were often subject to physical and emotional abuse. But eventually everything resumed to normal function. Little Rock Central High School still functions as part of the Little Rock School District and is now a National Historic Site that houses civil, a civil rights museum um, administered in partnership with the National Park Service to commemorate the events of 1957. And just to show you what Little Rock High School Central High School looks like, this Jesus. is it. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, it's a big boy.
0: That uh, is.
1: I was so not expecting this when I Googled this today. A
0: nice looking building.
1: Yeah, it's, a, fucking, it's beautiful. That- Look at these
0: that a fucking like pond in the front i know it?
1: it's yes it has to be yeah I'm looking at a palace or something
0: yeah i'm looking at a palace jesus
1: yeah so there's that it's
0: a good looking school
1: yeah um whites, so. uh, uh, yeah. I
0: mean, yeah i always i always see schools like that and i wonder like because that obviously has like at least four floors in the in in the like.
1: Oh yeah, geez, it's like tall at and very down.
0: very least four floors.
1: Yes, yeah. Uh,
0: and like, and then I think of like schools I went to. And, like we had like eight classrooms. We had like we don't like why so many floors? What do you what do you even do with those many floors?
1: Also, if this was only for white students, you're cutting off like half the population. Like
0: this There's is no thing- reason for that many floors. Yeah. no. You built a castle. I don't get it. I just, it just doesn't cover. I don't understand. I've never been to a school that was more than one floor. Our, my high school had one building, one small building that was three floors.
1: My high school was. they have
0: only been two. One maybe three.
1: medium sized building, which was, and it had two floors. And then we had, <laughs> yeah. we had, um, did you have like, uh, like mobiles? you know what that is? Yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: I lived in one. <laughs> Not on the school grounds, but I did live in a mobile home.
1: But did you have classes in them? Yes, I yes. did. Okay.
0: I had I had math class in one where um I had a, a teacher who was a larger human and he would always joke about his own weight and we were going whale watching one year and he <laughs> he, he said that he was gonna jump in the water and swim so we could watch. And I was like, I mean that's, that's like no one was making a joke. He was a wonderful, I loved him. His name was Mr. Sandoval, He's a wonderful human, but he would always just make jokes about himself, really. Which, uh, but we were going whale watching. He was just like, Yeah, I'm just gonna, if we don't see any whales, I'm gonna jump in the water so you could just watch me swim. I was like, That's hilarious.
1: I remember I had a biology class in one, and that's the only class that I had in one, and I watched Osmosis Jones. I don't remember literally anything else about that biology class other than. <laughs> Don't remember. I just remember watching it. And then. Um,
0: Today, in class, we're going to be watching a video of science. And it's just like Osmosis Jones. Yeah. <laughs> two yeah. and a half hours. And it's like, oh. And that's how it works.
1: And uh, I had like calc study in one. So I had to go to school like an hour early to go to calc study in a fucking.
0: Yeah. We definitely did have some. My social studies class was all with, with, with Mr. Skowski, and he's a he's a fart. Skowsky. He's a fart in class all the time, and he would was also, it loud. Oh, it was audible. Yeah, no, he would do it because yeah, I mean he he was a giant man child, um, and he would always talk about farting in the shower. Can you talk about it. Can I
1: talk about? it? No, but he it? would. He
0: would talk about oh yeah, he would talk about it. Yeah, he would talk about farts all the time. <laughs> Can about you also.
1: talk about it, please? <laughs>
0: He thought farts were hilarious.
1: I mean, Which farts they, are they, hilarious? Which
0: they were. I mean, I was I was also a child. And I'm like, what? yeah,
1: I know. Yeah, excuse <laughs> okay, me. Farts
0: are hilarious, and they were then as well. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, I did have. To answer your question, yes, I did have mobile. <laughs> it, they're just yeah. little, like uh, yeah,
1: we maybe have like four of them total. Like we had two, and then two, and then yeah, a little, a little, a little two-story building.
0: I also did live in one. That wasn't a lie.
1: No, I know you did. I just. <laughs>
0: Okay. So I'll make it clear. <laughs> it wasn't on the campus, but yeah, I was, yeah,
1: was saying you didn't live one on school like at yeah, school.
0: I lived in a mobile. Um, and
1: yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it almost <laughs> sounds like a guy sneezing when he barks. <laughs> like one single bark is like, bless you. you
1: know. Anyway, his sneezes also sound like like big man sneezes. Yeah. They sound like a full hatchu.
0: Hatchu. Yeah. All right.
1: All right. So, yeah, Central, uh, Little Rock Central High School is still, uh, it functions as part of the school district, uh, but it's also a National Historic Site. Um, in February 1999, members of the Little Rock Nine created the Little Rock Nine Foundation, which was a scholarship program. So, they helped fund um, kids and kids to go to school. Uh, In 1999 also, President Bill Clinton honored the Little Rock Nine when he presented them each with a Congressional Gold Medal, uh, which is the highest civilian award bestowed by Congress. Excuse me. All right. In 2007, the United States Mint made available a commemorative silver dollar to, quote, recognize and pay tribute to the strength, the determination, and the courage displayed by African-American high school students in the fall of 1957. On December 9th, 2008, the Little Rock Nine were invited to attend the inauguration of President-elect Barack Obama, the first African American to be elected President of the United States. And on February 9th, 2010, Marquette University honored the group by presenting them with the Marquette Discovery Award, the university's highest honor, and one that had only been awarded to Mother Teresa, Archbishop Desmond Tutu. Carl Rahner, and the Apollo 11 astronauts prior to being awarded to the Little Rock Nine. And that is all I (laughs) have.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's a solid group. group. Yeah. Like, if we were picking, like, kickball teams, I want to be on that team. (laughs) Well, I I don't know. I think Mother Teresa can kick a kickball for sure. She's got the power Yeah. She gets some of those things in the out in the outfield, way be way beyond the fences. Anyway.
1: Anyway.
0: Um. Is that, is that all we got? All we got. That's that's okay. You're right. I did. I did know what the um,
1: Little Rock Nine was.
0: Yeah. Just the just the name. I don't. I don't know.
1: The yeah. um, name never stuck. I guess. Yeah, I really enjoyed this one. I really. I like. I really wanted to do it because we mentioned it in last week's episode, and it felt like it was a supernatural transition. But I didn't know how much I would enjoy doing it.
0: Yeah. This is a fun one. Yeah. I did enjoy learning about this.
1: Yeah. And it was, yeah, it was super information heavy. Yeah. So it was, I know it was a lot of me just like talking at you, but I feel like. But it, was, it is like, one like, of the
0: like, cases that uh, we like know by name, but we don't know the exact I knew fuck or, all about or, it. Or, or like what it like influenced and stuff. I mean.
1: Yeah. I didn't even know what the decision was. Like I didn't know what it was for. Yeah. So I'm, yeah, I'm super, super glad that we did this one.
0: Yeah, Um, that's fun.
1: If I did miss anything that was, uh, you know, super important to the, honestly, the little or the Brown versus Board case, anything that has to do with Little Rock or any like bit of information that any tidbits that you'd like to share with us about this episode, about the information disclosed in this episode, please feel free to email us at hello at mntpodcast.com. Feel free to also throw in there anything that I got wrong.
0: And uh, it's is that it's my turn. Also, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Misfits and Tidbits. M-I-S-F-I-T-S-N-T-I-D-B-I-T-S. Did I get that right?
1: You got it right. okay
0: oh, Thank you. Thank you. Um... There's something else. If you're listening or watching, no matter what you're doing, how you're consuming this podcast, we would love it and very much appreciate it. If you would go to Apple Podcasts, just download it and do the thing and then delete it. Like, I don't care. Um, But please rate and review us. Give us five stars. If you can um, find a way to give us more than that, that'd be great. Great. But preferably at, at the very least, five stars. Um, and just write a, a, a great review, and it'll help us grow this thing and do more of this without, you know, um, feeling like we're talking to ourselves. We'd love to hear from you in, in any fashion, and especially through reviews and ratings. Um, what else?
1: if you are listening on wherever you get your podcasts, we have photos throughout the episode. So if you ever just kind of hear us taking a break to just, you know, look at something uh, you can find us on YouTube to view all of those photos. If you want to actually watch us and the episode, but we also post the photos to Instagram. So again, our Instagram at is misfits and tidbits and we are arriving on more platforms like every week. So we're becoming more and more accessible. Feel free to like, Tell your grandma about it because we're probably going to be, like, somewhere she can find us. And she'll probably want to know about all this stuff, too. I feel like we're a very grandma-friendly podcast other than when we say nasty words. But, like, my grandma says nasty words all the time. so My like,
0: grandma was... does not know about our podcast.
1: I know. Mine doesn't either.
0: Well, I mean, your grandma would be okay with it. Yeah. My grandma, I don't think she'd be okay
1: I just don't think she'd care. I
0: don't think she'd be that <laughs> thrilled on the words that we use sometimes. Um, but yes, we are on a lot of platforms that I don't even know exist, but for sure the main ones, we are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, YouTube, Overcast. I mean, YouTube is, we're on YouTube, but we're not, that's not like a podcast platform is, is what I'm, yeah, we're on, we're on most of them.
1: Yeah. Uh, if if, there if is, not all. If there's any platform that you just absolutely need us on, that's not one of those that was listed Or where you can't find us, just let us know. And we'll, like, see what we can do about getting on there. Um, Yeah. But, yeah, just super excited to keep learning with y'all. I, again, just, like, cannot stress how much fun I had researching this episode and just learning about it all. And it's, like, this is what I'm looking for. It's, like, the gratification and the enjoyment of doing this research. It doesn't always have to be, like... Conspiracy and paranormal and true crime, because like that is, we consume that literally all day, every day, which so it's super interesting. And like when I do find stuff that I like, you know, hits that niche, I get super excited, but that's not all that this podcast is, and it's not all that I want it to be, and it's not all that really gets me invested and gets us invested and hopefully gets you invested.
0: So. Exactly, it's not all that we want to learn. Like Sergio and I, the other day, we were just talking about, um, Ravens and pigeons and how they were used as telling me. as messengers and we were just like how the fuck and like that's something that's like I'm I'm curious about that and that I don't know is it it's it's hour long it's not an hour it's not hour worthy but it's like I'm not only interested in like the you know things that I consume daily it's like I'm interested in, in small things and things I don't know about and I just want to learn so happy to be here learning.
1: Hopefully you are too. And if you know someone else who needs to just, like, get learnt, send this to them. Please. Get learnt with
0: us. Get turned with us.
1: Like, you know, I don't know. Like, share it with your best friend and, like, see if they'll like it. And if they don't, like, that's fine. Like, sometimes, like, we're not going to be a good fit for people. But who knows? They might and then they might show their best friend sorry that your best friend isn't. You're not your best friend's best friend. But it's fine. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine because Mm -hmm. you have (laughs) us. Yeah.
0: We're your best friends now. And with that being said, um, we'll see you next week um, on Monday. It's Monday now. We'll see you next. We'll see you in seven days where you'll see us as we've discussed. We can't see you.
1: Or, you know, you can follow us on all of our socials and see us a little bit sooner than that. If you want any more additional content, just can't get enough of these lovely mugs. <laughs> I need a nap and okay. dinner.
0: Yeah, we need dinner for sure. All right, let's wrap this. We need dinner. Three, two, one, cut. Cut it. Bye. It's good.
1: Catch new episodes of Misfits and Tidbits every Monday. Me.